Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. Now, this is where I would usually say, I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. But today, I'm not feeling the labels. I am a human being having a spiritual adventure. I am a spiritual being stumbling through this human adventure. I'm tripping over my big puppy paws just like you are. I'm super curious. I want to know all the things. I want to grow. I want to transform. I want to figure it all out. Not like there's a finish line, not to get the right answers, but just because everything is amazing. If you want to learn more about me and learn how you can work with me, head over to KelseyAbbott.com. Now let's get into this week's episode where I bring Pete back. Pete's my husband, in case you're new here. And we are talking about all the things. We're talking about our answers to your questions because this week is an Ask Us Anything episode, our first ever Ask Us Anything episode, where we answer some questions submitted by listeners. Thank you so much for those of you who sent us brilliant questions. If you'd like to send us some questions for future episodes, please email them to kelsey at kelseyabbott.com. Now, let's get into the episode, but not before I remind you that you are a miracle, that it's totally normal to evolve. That's why we're here learn, grow, evolve, be love, be light, and remember, go forth and be awesome. I love you. So we're doing this again. We and are. I, I really like doing this with you. It's it really is fun. fun. It is fun. Thank you. And it's fun with the two mics set up the way we have now, because before we would be sitting next to each other working off of one mic and we couldn't look at each other when we talked to each other. And apparently I don't do well with that. Yeah, that made you awkward. That made me all awkward. <laughs> and I think it was also because we were videoing and I was super awkward. Whereas now with two mics, I can sit on the other side of the desk from you and we can have a lovely conversation. Yes. Yes. So let's start out. What are your top three things so far today? Top three things so far today was talking with, my brother this morning facetiming with todd uh talking with reed and then i think talking with my mom so there you go a trifecta look at you all the yeah. family connections yeah what about you what were your top three things uh mine are very different yep mine uh riding my bike with a newly readjusted setup that feels much more comfortable uh the our limes being able to Ooh. put lime in my water. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, like I, when I went out this morning to investigate the lime tree, I couldn't find any that were ripe. But again, there were some on the ground, but none that are like, just, okay, I'll just let you take me right now. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the ones we have and they're absolutely delicious. And okay. So I was riding my bike, the limes and doing core class with you yeah i know as soon as i finished my three i think core class is in there somewhere as well so so we did core class just the two of us today mm -hmm. and i really liked it well i kind of liked just being able to do it yeah because right? no like we've both commented on having like a fixed time for it like it core class for everyone is is used to be at four o'clock and and people would um facetime in or zoom in or whatever and and it was 
like I'd always feel like it was something that was scheduled in the afternoon. And so it was like, I have to get stuff done, like mow the lawn or go groceries before. And if I didn't do it before, then I'd have to do it afterwards. And then afterwards, like it's late. And like, it was this big thing that was in the schedule. So the ability for you just to come back from your bike ride and be like, you want to do core? I'm like, yes, there it is. Fits in nicely. Get it done. Well, and it's interesting because it plays with your open route is not made for deadlines mm-hmm. so that 4 p.m deadline just weighs on you yep. my open crown the pressure of having something at four is sometimes too much yeah so we'll see how it evolves who yep. knows i do love the the social aspect yes of it. that is definitely that was definitely a, a plus that was missed so i don't know i feel like in everything right now i feel like i'm on the edge of brand new mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I don't know what's next, but I have, and everything is good. I like everything, but I feel like it's a not quite, not quite. Everything is a like this, but not this right now. And I have no idea what this is. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Should we just move on? Yes. Start answering some questions. Yeah. So we decided to do a little ask us anything episode and we've got a few questions that we are going to dig into and We'll do this again in the future, I think, because mm-hmm. I think we're going to like this. Yeah. And in case I forget to say at the end, if you have a question that you want us to answer, please email me at kelsey at kelseyabbott.com and we'll put that email address yeah. in the show notes. All right. Question number one. What is it like to meet your soulmate? Huh. I think the importance for people to know speaking about my experience was if you go out looking for your soulmate it will be very hard to know that you have met your soulmate and I mean I don't know I'm sure there's lots of people that talk about like love at first sight and they just knew that so-and-so was the one I like I knew that we were going to have a future together very early on not from the get-go but very early on um i just didn't know what that future would look like like i knew we'd at least be friends i knew we'd at least be in communication all that kind of stuff um but but it's i I kind of feel it's hard to know about the meeting part because i feel like our relationship has been evolving and growing together this entire time so it's not like where we are right now is not at all where we were you know back in Hawaii you know two weeks in so it's it's hard to answer I mean the 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 kind of the superficial answer is incredible it's awesome it's it's wonderful to know that you're getting to spend life with someone that you are profoundly connected to and learning from and growing with and and all all of that but from the point of view of like kind of reading into the question like how'd you know it was the one and uh, I didn't like I knew that there was a profound connection and I knew that you were a special person but I would not have in my wildest dreams been able to predict where our relationship was going to grow and I think that is part of it like that is almost proving that we are so closely connected is that 
we didn't know where it was going to grow and it has been successful growing together. I don't know if that yeah. is a decent answer. Well, I think to put it in perspective, we met in 2001. Yeah. So we met 20 years ago. And I suppose we should share the story of how we met. So yeah, neither of us were looking for our soulmates at the time. I We met in Hawaii. I was doing dolphin research. You were completing. I was completing an internship studying dolphin cognition, behavior, and health. And Pete came in on the next intern group. And we had just had, we had a lot of visitors to the lab. Yeah. A lot of volunteers who were not, um, they were there on vacation. And so as interns who overworked interns, like 50 hours a week unpaid, um, covered in fish guts and whatnot, <laughs> we were not especially excited when new people came to the lab. And so this new group of interns arrives and we are not thrilled to see them. Because first of all, we didn't know if they were just volunteers or that they're the interns. And I, things were a little off, a little bumpy at the lab at that time. And yeah. so we actually said, and I think I may have been the one who had to do this, had to answer the door and say, you guys can't come in right now. Yeah, and they were like, what do we do? And we were like, I don't know. <laughs> but you just sit out there. Like as a group, the our intern group, it showed up. This is like... Monday afternoon or even Sunday afternoon like our internship started and we show up at the lab Sunday afternoon and there's literally straight out of Amani Python that like that these are low walls around the thing they're about eight maybe eight ten foot walls and you can kind of hear that there's activity going on and there's a tower in between the two tanks that you can kind of see so you can tell that there's things going on and someone opens up the door and says who is it <laughs> and and we're like we're the new interns closes the door comes back five minutes later you can't come in well, um, are we in the wrong place? No, you're in the right place. You just can't come in. What do we do? There's picnic tables over there. Like the, the intern coordinator will come meet you. And so we go sit down and we're like, well, this is not at all how it expected. <laughs> yeah. To put, to put some additional context in it, having found myself then five months later in the same position you were in when, you know, you've had this parade of volunteers and people who are coming here. This is wonderful. And this is great. And it was like, it was a phenomenal experience and I wouldn't change for a world. For the world but it was a very taxing um both emo emotionally psychologically uh physically and and inevitably despite how happy go lucky extroverted friendly you are there becomes a point where explaining something for the 50th time to a new set of people who are only going to be here and only see the wonder in it and don't really help validate the struggle and challenge is not fun. And so a whole new intern group of wide-eyed, slack-jawed people being like, oh my God, this must be awesome and wonderful. And you're like, look, this is month six of doing this day in and day out. I don't have time. So that was my first impression of Kelsey as she walked through our intern group was like, I don't have time for this BS. And you can explain your first impression of me if you would like. I thought you were cocky. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So it wasn't love at so first sight. So it wasn't love at first sight. <laughs> That's for darn tootin' sure. Um, but but to sp speed up, like, so then we overlapped for two weeks was basically what they did so that the first, the outgoing intern group could change the in, out, incoming intern group. And so two weeks later, and we apparently hit it off fairly well. And 
40,000 emails later and about 17 long distance calls. And And you're skipping so much because I do want to say like in terms of the wasn't looking for the one Mm. at the time, I was still in a relationship with somebody who was on the mainland. Yeah. My boyfriend from college and I kind of knew it was a not this, knew that it was over, but you know, I loved him and respected him very much and so I wanted to end things properly not just with a phone call and oh and then Pete shows up and like I said he was cocky bastard at first and then I don't know what happened well I was willing to stick my arm down a tube full of fish guts to clean out a drain for you and I stuck around after hours to help clean up the I did all I and I fixed that rolling closet thing in your apartment that clearly won you over Oh, and I had no idea that you were interested in me with yeah, all of these things. I think the rest of Lab was fascinating as they watched me basically build a bowerbird with all the shiniest <laughs> things I could do, and you just kept on walking right by it. Yes, well, eventually I figured it out. And yeah, we months of emails and very long phone calls, and this is pre-cell phone. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I do remember knowing and i think it was before i left because we stayed we were in hawaii together at this time for three weeks yeah i think or three and a half i think you were supposed to leave yeah you extended yeah i stayed longer to be with pete and i remember saying to him i don't know what this is but i know you're supposed to be in my life forever Mm -hmm. and that's i guess that's what it's like to meet your soulmate just like this deep knowing yeah that that could be a great way of explaining it like i think I think understanding and identifying the connection as being your soulmate and not like, ooh, I'm 100% in love or infatuated or this is the one. Like, I think that's, I think people go wrong expecting the Cupid's arrow part for their soulmate versus like realizing your connection with someone and and not necessarily knowing or trying to define it at the time and letting it show you what that connection is going to look like. And I, I don't know if there's many examples of people who who are best friends with their soulmates and aren't romantically involved. Like I, That's not typically the Hollywood version of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if like, you know, you have besties that are essentially that strongly connected. Um even though there's not necessarily a romantic involvement. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's that connection. It's feeling that connection would be the, the best example. And it was a, it was a deep within me. Mm-hmm. And this is a time in my life where I had shut down my intuition. I wasn't like, I was not spiritually awake. I wasn't... Like, I am such a different person right now. Right. We both are. And so for people listening to this podcast, you are probably much more high conscious, much more spiritually aware, much more tapped into your intuition than I was at that time, than either of us were Mm. at that time. So I don't know what it would feel like if we were to meet today. Right. Right. Yeah. And I I was... was actively not looking for like actively yeah, you not were, looking you were trying to like go and have a bunch of one night stands right well 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's one way of looking at it. I wasn't, I wasn't looking to specifically have one night stands, but it was like, go meet someone and you know, go have fun and have them leave, and be like, there's no way that this continues because I essentially only had ever had long-term relationships and was just like, doesn't have to be a one-night stand, but it's like, go meet a bunch of people, like go, you know, go date a bunch of people because you're in an island. And that's all that there is on the island is tourists who come and go. And so you can go out to a bar, meet someone, chat with them, talk to them, and then have them leave and be like, see, it was fine. It's all good. Did you ever meet a tourist when you were in Hawaii? No. Me neither. So I think that's funny that yeah, no. that was even That was my perception. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I think in terms of the, like, mo- how do you make monog- monogamy? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the monogamy, <laughs> mahogany, right? Yep, mm-hmm. very good wood. Monogamy, uh, pizza two four, and I'm a four six, and we are built to be monogamous. Yeah, yeah. We're built for long term relationships as much as we can. Like it's so against. Well, and that's why I find it funny when I think back because it was entirely a why why don't like I have all sorts of friends who just go out and date people and like we'll have three you know three significant others at the same time at all above board like just you know this is it's whatever and that's what happened in college and I'm like I can't do that I don't do that and I was like all right I'll try I'll go to Hawaii I'll this is what I'll and it didn't work but I'm glad it didn't work but it didn't work at all yeah I'm glad I I wouldn't change a thing no of course not all right so we move on to the next question yeah all right since I just mentioned that you're a 2-4 and I'm a 4-6. The next question is, what's it like to love a 2-4 or to love a 4-6? Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Go first. Okay, so loving a 2-4. I've only known that Pete is a 2-4 for two years and I have loved him for 20 years. So what changed in knowing that he's a 2-4 is it all makes so much sense. (laughs) Um, So 2-4s love love and need their alone time they hone their brilliance in their alone time and so for people who know them really really well we know they need their alone time we see that and the rest of the world thinks they're the life of the party like total extroverts and so that's a little funny as a something in loving you i see the hermit in you and everybody else sees this like guy who's just friends with everyone and wants to be in the center of attention which is interesting so understanding your two two four profile has it's given me so much insight into this need for alone time that has nothing to do with me Mm -hmm. your need to be by yourself and sometimes that being by yourself is not actually physically taking yourself out of an environment but i call it your phone booth energy Mm -hmm. it's just all of a sudden it feels like oh i can't get in there yep and so just understanding that that's that's what's happening Mm -hmm. that is your design that's how you're supposed to do it also you're just really good at a lot of things (laughs) and you have no idea and it when i first learned your profile like there's it's all completely accurate Mm -hmm. 
you need your alone time. You pick up things really fast. So you're not always the best teacher. You're not always super patient because you're just like, we'll just do it. Um, oh, yeah. What else do I have to say? And you have no idea that you're good at these things. So I used to think of like, I, I remember being like, Pete, be nice when you're saying that you did something amazing and it was super easy. No big deal. Because there are people here who have been working years to do what you just did and they still haven't done it. I remember you telling like, I remember specifically we were talking about swimming or something like no, that. No, it was, it was qualifying for Boston, the Boston Marathon. Oh, and you were like, Boston. yeah, it's super easy time. And I was like, shh. That guy right there has been trying for 10 years to qualify for Boston yeah. and he works his butt off. Yeah. Um, for me, learning about a 4.6 or loving a 4.6, what really helps me is in a similar fashion to what you just described for the 2.4 is seeing how important connection and personal connection is to you and also seeing how everyone like and me sometimes too seeing your six line as like this the person up on high at the top of the hill who's just like showering the world with wisdom and no you don't like you don't go up onto the mountaintop to to like shake hands and get all buddy buddy with a guru like no you're you're like they're up on the stage you're in the crowd that's the way it's supposed to be meanwhile your four line is up on stage being like, why won't anyone come up here? Like, I want to have a, I want to have a conversation. I want to connect. And so understanding that has both helped me understand the need for connection because I think early on in our relationship, my two line and your four line caused like misunderstandings. Like I would be need my alone time and you'd feel like that was me not wanting to connect and then I would try to figure like I'd get frustrated being like I just I don't know why I want to be alone but like and so that I think understanding your four lines desire to connect and what I saw along with everyone else is your six line which is just like you got this shit wired you know exactly what you're doing here's all the answers here's all the wisdom like don't like just get out of her way because she knows what she's doing. Meanwhile, your four lines like, I'd love a little bit of help, but love a little bit of connection. Like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> I feel like that is so the story of being a four six. What I want, one of the things I'd like to shout from your top is, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yes, <laughs> please. Yes, and that's and that's like i understand that because i think when we were even talking about your business early on i was like well i don't want to get involved because you clearly know what you're doing and you're like Ex excuse me like what what's giving you that that belief and i think i've talked about it on the podcast before this impression that i'm strong mm, mm -hmm. which is just like you know i even remember being a little kid in swim lessons and everyone else gets help and then we run out of time and i'm like yep. hey what about me will you look at my stroke it's good it's good Wait, it's what? fine it's like you're a six you know what you're doing i need help yeah. i want help i want the instruction i want feedback but not but yeah and that's the that's the other thing that i learned um for six you don't you don't do well with criticism no, that's not the right. No, you can say it that way. I can say it that way. All right. Like there's a way to provide feedback that needs to be more loving than might otherwise 
be the standard default approach to providing feedback. Like, and I'm not talking about like, just don't, you know, shout or yell or cuss someone for, for something that they did. No, like even a, a fairly kind of straightforward, well, you know, you did this, but then you did, you know, you didn't do this well. And that was da, 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 da. that, that doesn't always go over well. And so I've learned, um, for the need to, I don't know, properly frame or really be careful about how I provide feedback on stuff. Cause it's not like you don't want to get better and you, it's not like you don't know that you can be get better. It's just, it's a very sensitive area for you. Right. And I just pulled up the human design Bible and that's, um, the definitive book of human design. And there is a sentence in here about four sixes that says, you are not, however, interested in being changed by others. Yep. So it's about telling you in a way that makes you decide internally that you want to do it better um, versus telling you that you need to do this better and have it run up against, well, no, I thought I was doing it fine. And then, well, who the hell are you to do this? And, eh, like it's a, so that's been a, it's been something I've learned. And I remember in another conversation, we were talking about how as a 2-4, you can't see yourself that well. Mm. So you're like, yeah, what should I work on? Not should, but like, what are areas I can improve? Whereas I'm like, as a 4-6, oh, I see myself super clearly. Yep. I know where I need to improve. Yep. Don't tell me. Please. Yeah, no, thank you. That's not I got gonna, it. That's not going to go over well. No. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Um, next question. What are your favorite things? This is not human design related. What are your favorite things that the other person has taught you about life or approaching life? I, uh, everything. Like, I, I don't. I don't think I can oversell the degree with which your coaching, the coaching tools that you've developed over the last 10 years now, um, have contributed to growth and improvement around everything like mindfulness, meditation, the specifically the effort to separate and create space between response and reaction huge uh, we've we've spoken about it on on previous episodes i know but the post-it note that was put on in the camper from i think day one which was what i say is about me and what you hear is about you that like all, all of it so from that point of view so much of my growth and journey in awareness and understanding more of who I am and accepting for me for who I am and then therefore being able to grow because of that acceptance and the mindfulness and the awareness and the meditative practice and all that kind of stuff well, that all germinates with you so that is what I learned about life from you it sounds like you're somewhere or a vacation report yeah, I mean, I didn't learn how to use a chainsaw from you, and I didn't learn how to change oil from you, and all that kind of stuff. I actually don't have to know how to change oil in a car, but like in like a how to fill up oil and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot about 
doing and all that kind of stuff that I came already preloaded with that software when I met you. But in the last 10 years, all of that coaching, mindfulness, awareness, the inner work hugely um, lies at your steps. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. I'm so grateful that we've been able to grow together. Yes. I know a lot of couples don't survive when someone gets very into personal growth and the well, other person doesn't. You had, you had mentioned that when you started coaching that there was a lot of your peers who were finding themselves struggling because it is very uncomfortable to be pushed into growth. And growth is an inevitable part of mindfulness and you are fundamental change fundamentally changing as a person at your maybe you could say you're becoming more of who you really were meant to be or you are we're all you know different people at different times however you want to frame it you are arguably different than the person that that your spouse married depending on how long ago it was and depending on where you were in your path so it's really not hard to understand why there could be that growing friction but inevitably, you're, we are lucky enough that we're both growing. And I think it's not that we were predestined to grow in the same direction. It's that growth doesn't have to be in a single direction. And so because we're both growing at the same time, we're constantly able to course, course correct and bring each other along. Like it's kind of like two, two vines growing up using each other as balance versus one gr vine growing and the other one being like... Uh, I'm an azalea. I'm, I've done my growing. I'm sitting here. That's it. I'm in my pot. That's it. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful that we're able to grow together. So how are you going to answer that? Okay. So the thing that comes up first for me is Pete is so good at the humaning. I'm not always so good at the humaning. <laughs> like the, Pete goes grocery shopping. I can I can do it. You can. I don't like it. No. Um I remember having to fill out when I had to renew my passport, filling out the paperwork, asking you to help me. And it because your mind works in this way that you can do you're so good at that getting things in order. <laughs> you have like this order in your in your being and I do not stuff like that makes me exhausted it feels really hard and pushy for me it feels heavy and hard and so the the biggest thing I think and this isn't like a specific thing you've taught me and in fact in a way maybe you've tried to keep me from learning this but because you're two things because you're so good at everything you pick things up so quickly I've it's helped me learn that everything is possible right and then because you're so good at everything it you've taught me in unintentionally to ask for help because i can see i really truly believe you can help me with anything and there are so many things that you do so much better than i do like for instance i remember this was last year when i renewed my passport Knowing that if I had sat down to do that paperwork myself, I'd have been toast for the rest of the day. Like the that like 30 minutes of filling out those forms, making sure I had everything in order and packed up properly mm -hmm. 
would have absolutely destroyed me. It would have been so draining for me. And having your help on that, it was done in like 10 minutes. And then you just go on about your day. It doesn't have any effect on you. And that is just like, I remember having an astrology chart reading once and she was like, wow, you have so much air in your chart. I bet you you are like to exercise so much because it grounds you. And I think that the other thing you do for me is you provide that grounding energy, which is funny because you have an open root, but it's not that kind of grounding. It's the grounding in like that 3D in the human space. It's that like, okay, calm down. We're going to fill out these forms. This is how the world, yeah. this is how the world works. And this is how you, if, if you want to be part of human school, you still have to sit in a chair in human class. Yeah, I'm more interested in talking to people about their souls and what they're learning in Earth School right now. And you're like, we need to fill out the form so we can leave the country. Yeah. Okay, fine. But it's exhausting. Mm. I can see it's exhausting. It exhausts you. And that was what successfully had me more willing to help you. Because I remember early on, I was like, I don't like this either. This is just part of adulting. Like, you try it, you do it. I will come help you if you can't do it, but like, you do it. And it's still a source of communication challenges sometimes, but but like seeing how much it exhausts you, like, and understanding human design better, I'm like, oh, because that's, I think that is like a universality about human design is we can see well we can't see ourselves but we just see other people in the same way that we do so if if i'm able to go pick something up quickly yeah when i go try to teach someone i don't really understand how to break it down to its component parts and i'm confused why they can't just do it because i'm showing the things that were a sticking point for me to learn it and then therefore they should learn it or here's this form like you just do it um because we don't we we can't we like every we assume everyone's going through the same earth school as we are so understanding the, the differences was the same way that i find myself on the island of hawaii being like okay this is my opportunity to go date different women because like i haven't been able to do that on my own at home and so that's what everyone else seems to be able to do and they seem to be having fun with it so this is like we just ex- like we are constantly saying why am i not like so and so or why is so and so not like me and so human design allows us to say well this why this is why because they are not they're not designed to be like you that's not their set of gifts they're not here to do what you can do and so seeing you get truly exhausted after like pounding through a form and it's just like wow like that's why i package all your stuff <laughs> like kelsey will just show off me like oh, i'd like to send this book here is the filled out index card with the address. Can you help? And you at least stay with me in the office as opposed to being like uh, uh, post office boy. Here you go. You stay with me. And But I've seen I've seen you try and wrap up and package like a book or a, or like a T-shirt or, a, you know, tank top or something. And it's just like it's kind of painful. <laughs> so I can see you're struggling and you getting exhausted from it. And I know it will take me five minutes and it will be easy. So, yeah, no, that's, I see that. Thank you for helping me with all the human stuff. You're welcome.
my pleasure and i feel like we've started to touch on this so the last uh two questions i'm gonna read them both right now yeah one is how has human design helped you understand each other more and then the other is, how do you play with the centers one of you is defined in and one is open in, honoring the wisdom of both? And so I think, I think this is just like a big question. Yeah. And let's talk about all of it. What was the first one again? How has human design helped you understand each other more? Yeah, and I think, I think you're right. Those two questions are very related because I think understanding an open center versus a defined center has fed into a better understanding of why we don't respond the same way to the same set of stimulus. Like it helped you understand why I kept on trying to string activities together. Now that I'm moving, keep on doing, I'm going to go mow and then I'm going to go wash this and then I'm going to go do this. And then finally I sit down for lunch and then I'm done for the rest of the day and I'm not moving. This is because Pete has a wide open route. Yeah. A wide open route and you you know you do something and then you sit down for five minutes and then you get up and you go do something else and you sit down and and you early on were confused at how I could just sit and park myself on the sofa and I'm like plenty of people do it like this is not <laughs> like this is I'm not like spending eight hours in front of football on Sunday afternoon but I, I just once I park I, I, I tend to stay there so I think there's a lot of that stuff that has helped us see each other for both our strengths and also how we navigate the world. I mean, the other example, I mean, we, we talk about Root and Ajna and we've talked about those before because I think those are two particularly relevant areas that we are profoundly different in how we, we act. And, and I mean the same thing with Ajna. Now we have a whole shorthand of what we, whether or not we are able to talk or don't want to talk. I mean, just the other night we were talking about something and I, like I just was standing on the precipice and stepping off about, and you're like, I can't, I, I can't. So, cause my Ajna is not defined anymore. So if this is something that you want to just get out of your system, just know that I'm, I'm out. So you're talking to yourself, which is fine. Like we've had that conversation where I'm just kind of putting stuff out there and you let it wash over you and it's all good. So there are ways in understanding how we are different in terms of our centers has, I think, helped us communicate better around those differences so that we can not find ourselves in the same positions that we had earlier on when we didn't know and you'd raise, bring up a topic and I'd kind of dive in with two feet and you'd be like, I, I actually didn't want to have a conversation about it. I was just raising the topic, which would confuse me um, and vex me sometimes even, dare I say it. Um, so, so seeing you for who you are and how you act and navigate the world I think has been assisted greatly by human design and understanding both the centers, but also, you know, understanding your four, six lines, just as we were talking about earlier, like just seeing it all play out helps me see you for you rather than try and fit you into the standard humaning box and see all the different ways that you don't fit into that box. Yeah. So 
I'm trying to, I'm feeling a little bit of crown pressure right now because I'm trying to hold on to all the different things that I want to cover and the differences between our design and just understanding our designs. So since you started out on the centers, yeah, let's keep going on that. Mm -hmm. So the root, mine is defined, pizza's wide open, which means he's got zero gates in there. Uh, And of course, when he's with me, it is defined, but that's, you know... It's still his natural state is the open route. So I think you've already talked about that. Like I I will feel the body pressure to do something. I will now, I will say sometimes, please don't feel pressure. Like even today I asked you, like, what's your timing? How much longer are you going to be on the phone? And you were like five minutes. And then you were like, boom, done. And you hung up and I was like, whoa, I was not meaning to shove you and it turns out that the person you were talking to had actually like ended the conversation but because i have that awareness of that my energy can have that impact on you it's something Mm -hmm. i will like go in and check and then get away in hopes that you don't feel pressured Mm -hmm. from me um okay so i mean we've already done a full episode on the difference between an open route yeah and a defined route We've done one on the open Ajna versus defined Ajna too. And the story that Pete's alluding to is he just got back from a few days with his family where they all have defined Ajnas. And he came back and just started sharing all these stories, all these opinions with me. And I just, opinions and diving deep into like rationalizing the opinion. And I tried to keep up. And then I could tell that I was sharing my opinion in some instances. And I was just like, as it came out of my mouth, I was kind of like, well, this isn't going to feel mm-hmm. good to you energetically because this is incorrect for me to do right now. And and then it was just exhausting me. I'd stop like mid-sentence. Well, I think and that was the thing because I tried to transition away from here's all the stories that had happened and you had said that, uh, you know, I'm like you had clearly indicated that this was not like you'd maxed out on your stories from thing because it can be like there's a lot that happens in five or six days and I tell stories that are very long and detailed. But so what I switched over were things that I had learned from the book that I'm reading with his breath, which is you've read maybe, you know, a year and a half ago or something. But like you had said, I look forward to you reading this so we can, you know, discuss it. And so I was like, ah, that's the problem. Now we can discuss the book. And you were like, no, my like, I'm done odging. Like I'm, I'm, I'm out. So that was, and so that allowed us to, to resolve the issue because it wasn't just in the past I would think that it wasn't like I would have assumed that you just didn't want to hear any more stories about my trip and so I'd say all right let's talk about you know baseball or talk about you know whatever people typically switch the and that was it you were like I'm done with opinions and it's it's kind of like debating like it's it's picking something up and looking at it from all the sides and kind of theoretically having a conversation about the concepts and the fundamentals behind it because it's not like you don't want to talk it's it really is just like you don't want to have a theoretical discussion and analysis of a concept yes regardless of whether or not that's an opinion that was expressed by my family in, in during the trip or something i just read in a book that you also read and you really enjoyed and so understanding that for sure has helped that kind of a, a transition because yeah I clearly came back from after having used my Ajna like the entire time I was up there come back and that's just that's just the habit and so then it was really helpful for us to be like nope 
And then Crown. We've also recorded an episode on that, a bonus episode about how I'll feel and amplify mental pressure. Mm -hmm. And mental pressure is very much not for me. So that's, um, I, I will feel like something needs to happen right now. Yeah, and we've started getting better where I've been like, you know, this doesn't have to happen. You're like, oh, thank God. Okay, good. Because you had interpreted it for, through the crown pressure that, that I asked the question and you're like, okay, got to gotta get the answer. I'm like, well, wow, we're really digging into this. I, I mean, I didn't really want to, but fine. So, And then ego, also known as the heart center, also known as the will center. Pete's is undefined. Mm-hmm. And and that means he's got a couple gates in there, but his actual center is undefined. Mine is defined, and I've got some gates in there too. So I have strong, consistent motivation. Pete's motivation comes in waves. This was just like validating, I feel like, mm-hmm. because you've been someone who, when it comes to training, like you, you trained for marathons, for years and did marathons and then you were done and then you did a surge of strength training and then you would just seem to like pick things up and then do them and then put them down yeah whereas i don't you've been training for stuff for as long as i've known you yeah all day every day he thought i had a problem when he first met me i didn't understand he's like why don't you take a day off from exercise i was like what do you want to do i don't know can we go for a walk (laughs) Yeah, I made to move my body. Yeah, and I think I think understanding that was also validating for sure for me to understand that it wasn't just. I think that's one of the things people who have open egos, um, if they are surrounded by people who have defined ego centers, may well carry a burden of why can't I just do? Yeah, you guys are supposed to, and I'm gonna like. I'm going to say this and then kind of qualify it. Supposedly, if you have an open ego, you are likely to struggle with self-worth. That is the phrasing that's used. Yeah. I believe that all humans struggle with Mm self-worth and self-love, which is technically from the G Center. But I think the nuance is that there can be a desire with the open ego of feeling like you need to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. So... I remember early on when I started the podcast, one of the things I was curious about was what's the difference between professional triathletes and age group triathletes? Like what makes them so fast? And I would talk to some who had a like a real chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so every time they got out there to race, they were out there to prove all those people wrong. And... I was like, but that doesn't feel like it. I don't want to have a chip on my shoulder. I don't want to race from that place. Mm-hmm. The answer I found is simply they're more comfortable being uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. key to key to success in endurance sports is getting yourself uncomfortable or more comfortable being uncomfortable, which is probably true in life. And I'm not telling you to do things that you don't want to do. We we can dive into that in yeah. a whole nother place. But yes. Yeah, that same thing that I learned when I was after after the marathon, the Boston Marathon qualifying run, which stood as my PR for a long time. The rest of the marathons that I did were were not as good as that, and I got really confused and struggled. And there's other like there's nutritional stuff and blah blah blah. But the other fact of the matter is, once I'd achieved that goal, my desire to 
go through that pain cave was dramatically reduced. And so I was like, how do people run like these two hour and 30 marathons and, and feel great? And I remember I was talking, I can't remember who it was, but they're like, oh, I don't, I don't feel great. You think, what do you mean? He's like, oh no, it hurts. But it hurts and I know that that's what's making me go fast. I'm like, oh, so all those times where I ran up against the, if you push harder now, it's gonna hurt. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I don't wanna hurt that badly anymore. So that's the difference. It's not that it doesn't hurt them, it's that they just, they know how to compartmentalize that pain. It also reminds me of years and years and years of people asking me, what are you training for? And I'd be like, life? I don't know. Because they would want me to have a specific race on the calendar. Because as you said, like you got your Boston qualifier and we're like, cool. Where's the motivation yeah. now? Whereas I'm like, they're, they're in in my world there's no finish line yeah it's just keep going 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 mm-hmm. um okay i feel like that was a quick rundown of our of differences in centers yeah. i want to talk about some other stuff like the okay. fact that you're a triple split <laughs> understanding that this is i mean even in the fact that you're currently reading this book breath by james nestor i've mentioned it in a few episodes most recently in the one with kyle moss two weeks ago i read it a year or a year and a half ago. Absolutely loved it. It changed my life in many ways. Recommended it to you. Nothing. Nothing. And then what made you pick it up? I don't know. I think it was a podcast that we listened to. But what made you listen to the podcast? Uh, Me. You. Listening to <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if that's the best example of my triple split. Oh, I've got a lot more. I know. <laughs> <laughs> my whole life is a triple split. So triple split people. Pete have when you look at his chart, he's got three teams, and to make a decision, each one of those teams has to get on board. And if that sounds like living life by a committee, it's exactly what it is. Whereas I, I'm split. I'm not single definition, so it does take me a little longer than your like a single definition person but the benefit of being triple split is when you decide something you really truly have looked at it from every single angle so it's usually right i remember when we um got the water filter Mm. on our house and you had you had met with all the people but just feeling your energy after you met with a certain person i was like oh okay boom they're the one. And you're like, I still want to meet with like two other people. Yeah, same it, with our roofing. Yeah. Well, it turns out that in meeting with those other people, you learned a ton more, mm-hmm. got a better deal. Like everything, you ended up going with absolutely positively the right people. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would have, I don't have that patience. Yeah. Well, and that's, and I think that's the, there's some times where, and I don't, I don't want to mistake single split triple split and intuitive hit because when we were looking for houses you were able to kind of step in and be like no and it would take me a while to get there but that was more intuition versus thinking um for triple strip like i am i am literally incapable of buying something on the spot and this is everything like this this is a toothbrush a car a, a, a highlighter like a computer, 
you, you, like you name it. Like the people, I am the most frustrating person for a salesperson to work with because it's like, no, dude, I, I agree with everything you're saying. So you're going to buy it? No. No, I, I have to leave and think about it. But you're not going to, no, no, you've done an excellent job. I, I want you to know that there is nothing that you can say that would, like you have been able to short circuit it but usually it's when I have already, like when I've come armed with all the information, we talk to someone and you've been able to be like, pull the trigger, like do it. We need this. And that's been able to usually get me from a, you know, to, to drop it down to a second two split rather than three. Like that kind of brings on the final thing, unless I really have a, a challenge. But I, I, you know, decisions about anything takes me forever. Well, and we've seen in, we have a list of a bunch of things we want to do to the house before we sell it. Again, we're moving. We do not know where. We do not know when. So yeah. we're slowly like getting the house ready. And we've got this list. And you've said a few times that I was able to give you the nudge so that we could go do a project. Yeah. That probably wasn't going to happen. If left to your own devices, it wouldn't happen for months. Yep. Yeah, it's it's because I want to plan and I want to figure it out. I'm I'm, you know... And again, this is Pete, triple split, open route, undefined ego. Yeah. So he doesn't have his own motivation or momentum. Yeah. So it's super helpful to get that nudge. Sometimes I shoot it down. Yeah. Whereas I'm literally built to start things. Yep. So it's a good team. We are a good team. Good team. This is why every time we get new things in the house i need to open them and try them it's like you're opening the new one well i had to test it and make sure it was okay all right so the the, the splits what else on uh, your long mental list of emotional waves mm. i mean we both have an emotional wave we have different emotional waves but wow that's a big one yeah no that's very much helped i mean that that like just alone i think that has made a huge difference in i mean whatever we've been calling it over the years like me going into a funk or blah 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 or not even knowing i was in so labeling it was like the third or fourth step along the road of of learning to deal with it but yeah being able to say hmm i think i'm in an emotional wave which has almost universally been true if i have the awareness to actually say that um and you've been able to say like hey are you in an emotional wave and that gives me the permission to be like hmm Maybe I am, in which case stop stop stressing or worrying or picking up whatever it is that that I feels fuzzy and, and unsure and just put it down and wait. So it's it's made a huge difference. I mean I don't I don't feel like your emotional wave has been as obvious because it is it is not as obvious. It is like we call it the subtle emotional wave. Yeah. But but I do also feel like it has underscored the importance of connection because it is often triggered by... It is only triggered yeah, by, con by connection, connection or lack thereof. Lack of connection or like someone that I feel connected to hurting me. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that has been a pattern that has helped me understand your emotional wave because it so clearly has that cause and effect relationship. Yeah. I think other thing, I mean, we could talk about so much. We mm -hmm. could get into every th single gift that you have that I don't have and vice versa. We could get into um, like how we change habits, specific versus non-specific manifesting. I feel like that might be another yeah. episode. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? 
I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of ground. People, I think, have a much better understanding of how we tick together. <laughs> maybe more than they wanted to know. Maybe not. I don't know. But, but um, no, I don't. I don't have anything else. I don't think nothing comes to mind. What's for dinner? Uh, sushi bowls. Yes, we call things different. Yeah, we're like, not actually having sushi. No, it's our version of what the 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 plant strong like parts of sushi. Yeah, it's quinoa, edamame, cucumbers, we'll saute some mushrooms, and then we add some rice vinegar vinegar and coconut aminos, and we add nori, which is what makes it sushi. That's basically sushi. All right, thank you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. It's always fun. I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with everyone you know, or at least the people you think would like it. And if you are inspired to do so, please leave a five-star rating and a glowing, inspiring, make us smile review at Apple Podcasts. I do this thing every once in a while where I just feel like I've got overflow, overflow sparkle, and I want to spread it around. And so I'll go leave five-star ratings and reviews on my favorite podcasts. I'll maybe review. I reviewed my favorite bike shorts. Maybe I'll write a testimonial for a coach I worked with. And I had an experience last week where, last Wednesday, in fact, where my review of Martha Beck's Bewildered podcast was read on the air. I just may have revealed my secret identity, but no one listens to the outro anyway, right? So if you are still here, you can go figure it out. Um, a friend sent me my review for bike shorts, thanking me so much for sharing it because she was looking for shorts to wear for her first Ironman. And then somebody else had just gotten so excited that they read my testimonial for a coach and were like, oh my God, that's the first time I've actually known somebody who has written a review. So this is a way that I drop love bombs. And if that inspires you to leave a love bomb on this podcast, on the Find Your Awesome podcast, that would be amazing. I also encourage you to do it on some of your other favorites. I love you. Go spread your sparkle. Spread your joy. Spread your love. Spread your light. But take care of you first. Always give from the overflow. I love you. Go forth and be awesome.